0: No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. Good luck with the most beautiful game. Do us proud. Red alert. They're up and running again. How on earth did that happen?
1: Hello and welcome to another episode of Wonder Goal presented by the Action Network. I am your host today, BJ Cunningham. For all of you yelling at whatever device you're listening to this podcast on, our illustrious host Michael Leboff will be back for next episode. So save your complaints. Uh, you'll get your usual host back uh, next episode for the Champions League. But it'll be myself and Anthony DeBundo today taking you across The European continent breaking down the entire weekend slate. We're going to start in the Premier League. We have nine matches, Chelsea and Arsenal are off, so Chelsea can continue to play in the FIFA Club World Cup. It's an interesting slate, similar to the midweek, where we don't have one big match. None of the top seven teams are playing against each other. So we're going to go in chronological order, and it starts on Saturday morning at 7.30 a.m. Eastern Time, Manchester United is hosting Southampton at Old Trafford. Manchester United is a minus 180 favorite. Southampton sitting at plus 500 with the draw at plus 330. This is a really interesting matchup. Uh, Southampton coming off a huge win on Wednesday, scoring two late goals to beat Tottenham. Manchester United drew with Burnley at Turf Moor, probably should have gotten results. Anthony, do you think that Southampton performance can carry over into this match against Old Trafford? And do you think the Saints are live dogs at Old Trafford?
2: I do. Uh, You know, it was interesting because I was watching the game today against Tottenham and Spurs played poorly. They were loose with the ball. They gave it away in dangerous areas. Southampton had 15 shots to two in the first half. It was 1-1. Those two shots from Tottenham were pretty dangerous ones. They still conceded the big chances, which is, of course, the major worry with that defense, the way that they press. But 15 shots to two says a lot about how that match went. They went, you know, Spurs were better in the second half. And then, again, as soon as uh, Southampton went and and equalized, it looked like they were going to be the team that went on to win. Then there was almost even more late drama with VAR at the end. It was a really, you know, a classic Barclays, classic Premier League match. Really a lot of fun, unless you're a Spurs fan. But I think they're absolutely live here. And it's it's a relatively similar matchup against a team who is supposed to be better than them and is lined right around that minus 180 number. United and Spurs power rated pretty similarly for me right now. Uh, I show a little bit of value on Saints then. I show value on Saints now as well, and uh, with them being upgraded even after this performance today. The big thing here is that United has this first half, second half pattern that they like to do where they come out and and they're clearly improved. We saw that in the first half against Aston Villa a couple weeks ago. We saw that in the first half uh, in their last game on Tuesday against Burnley. They're playing better and they're pressing better, and they're dominating games. They had 12 shots to zero in the first half against Burnley. They probably should have been up two goals, maybe even you could argue three. There were some controversial calls with VAR and some offsides that I thought were pretty harsh. But then what happens is in the second half, because Ragnik is new and they're not used to this intense press that they've had to put on, the front guys get tired, and then the holes appear, and then they get beat in transition, and then they get you know exposed. And that's really what Burnley did they hung around and they waited for United to tire out and then they hit them in the second half. That's a major issue when you're playing against the saints team, who is pretty much a better version of United when it comes to pressing, at least way less talent, but they can press effectively for 90 minutes. They have the energy. United also has major set piece issues. Defensively. That's a big issue going up against James Ward, Prowse and Southampton. So Saints had 9.48 pass per defensive action against the top six team in Tottenham on Wednesday. If they do that to United, who I think has benefited from a pretty weak schedule, this is going to be another toss-up match, I think. Uh, and I'm happy to take Saints plus one and we will be doing a little money line sprinkle as well. I'm not sure what United's plan is. Uh, if Cavani picked up a knock, it looked like, based on their post-match reports, I'd be happy if Ronaldo has to play this game because he can't press. And if they're playing essentially down a man out of possession, it's going to be very hard for them in this matchup against this team who has energy can run for hours. And I I don't love the situation where United could find themselves out of gas in the second half and getting pummeled.
1: Yeah, I I totally agree with you. I'm right here with Southampton plus one. It's not that great of a matchup for United. I, like you said, I don't really know what they're going to do. Pogba came back obviously for United that obviously unlocks their midfield and as far as the attacking midfield and creating creative aspect of it, he obviously scored the only goal. But United, like you said, they benefited from a pretty easy schedule to this point. They haven't faced a team that's going to press at the rate Southampton is going to press. You could make an argument, you know, Brentford plays the same not type of frenetic pace, not as frenetic as Southampton does. But if you go back to that match, I mean, Brentford smashed United in that first half, and the press just overwhelmed them. And that's what Southampton did to Tottenham in the first half. I mean, you said the numbers, 23 shots to 10, final Southampton Tottenham. Southampton had 10 shots on target away from home that's crazy and i'll be honest i put i put a bet in uh as the second half was going on right as the second goal was scored uh, i was probably going to play it anyway but i didn't think i was going to get essentially a better number than that point right there because i was totally convinced by the southampton performance because we haven't really seen that type of performance from southampton against a big six side they obviously have drawn manchester city twice one time they city had a red card but man i it is hard for me to see how United's going to be able to just play right through this press consistently throughout the entire game. Southampton has also messed around with a 3-5-2, which has done really benefit them, allowed them more tactical flexibility, allowed them to play five at the back if they need to. You mentioned the set piece issues. United allowed the most expected goals of anybody in the Premier League off a of set piece is 9.2 this season. Southampton has scored eight off a of set pieces with the best free kick taker in the Premier League in James Ward-Prowse. I think United's overvalued here, uh, even though they are at home. I only have them projected at minus 125, so I'm right there with you. I love Southampton plus one at minus
2: 105. I've got a minus 145 as well, so I'm in agreement there. And I think one other interesting thing that we, we can move on after this is how much uh, does United having to play the extra midweek match with a squad that is now a little bit thinner now because of injuries and a few other absences, how much are they able to recover, whereas you'd expect Saints – to potentially be uh, you know, the fitter and, and more ready to press side. Also, Saints have been really good playing from behind. They have not been good with leads. So it could be a potential live betting situation as well, where if you can see United are starting to tire, I'll probably end up maybe even adding to Southampton Live.
1: Absolutely. Okay, let's move on to Saturday at 10 a.m. Eastern. Let's start with Brentford hosting Crystal Palace. Brentford is plus 165. Crystal Palace is sitting at plus 190 with the draw at plus 210. A couple interesting matches today uh, on Wednesday from Brentford and Crystal Palace. Obviously, Brentford went to City. Uh, Not a lot you can ask from them as 18-1 to underdogs, but they played pretty well. They fought hard. The two goals they gave up, one was a penalty and one, uh, you know, just terrible goalkeeping error from David Raya. Crystal Palace, on the other hand, gave up a goal inside the first minute against Norwich and then completely smashed them for the rest of the match and couldn't come away with the result they deserve. Uh, This is a huge uh, discrepancy of turn of splits uh, of home versus away. Uh, Brentford very good at the Brentford community stadium plus 3.2 expected goal differential crystal palace on the road around minus seven expected goal differential when they're really, really good at home immediately, you know, that comes to mind. I say, all right, I'm going to take Brentford, but I'm more of leaning towards it at this point, there are some, you know, positive things for them, but injuries are taking their toll. Ivan Tony didn't play and boy and boy- was on the, the bench. It's a pretty good matchup if those two guys play. Brentford is a very good pressing team. Crystal Palace tends to struggle when they play teams that press them at a high rate. They're 15th in offensive pass for defensive action, and Brentford has forced the fourth most high turnovers in the Premier League. The form is bad for Brentford. It's six six straight matches that they've lost, but the performances haven't been that bad, and especially against Manchester City, it was encouraging. And you have a team under Thomas Frank, that's going to play hard. They're going to give you a full effort for all 90 minutes. You saw that today. And really they were just unfortunate on two types of things. They held city, So 0.3 non-penalty expected goals in the first half. That's, once again, really, really good defensive performance. When these two teams met at the beginning of the season, it was a really cagey 0-0 draw. Brentford was somewhat of the better side, 24 shot creating actions to only 12 from Palace. And the biggest thing, though, is Brentford had a 41% pressure success rate in that match, which, which can be huge if they can get the ball from Crystal Palace and get it moving forward and see if their defense can actually create some chances. Uh, so I I do like the Bs at home, draw no bet at minus 115. We'll see what the injury situation is and see if we can potentially get a better price. But I'm definitely leaning towards Brentford. Where are you going
2: for this match? I like Brentford quite a bit. You mentioned it, six straight losses. I think we're at the bottom of the market here on Brentford. And the most interesting thing, you mentioned it, the home and away splits are the, are the biggest key here. Brentford at home this season, plus 0.47 per 90. Palace on the road, minus 0.8 per 90. The pretty much exact mirrors are the true when they're playing at the other stadium. So Palace about plus 0.8 at home. Brentford's about minus 0.4 away from home. So you're getting the two biggest split teams in the entire league. Uh, And we don't know about Wisa and Buemu and Tony. Wisa and Buemu came off the bench. They didn't start them. I think a lot of that was Frank managing his guys, knowing they're not going to get the result at City and that the weekend result is much more important. Uh, We don't know if they're going to play or not. I think at least one or two of them will be back for this game based on the fact they were able to go off the bench. And so if, if they're, you know, we send him way more starting, which is probably what I'd expect and see Tony off the bench. Maybe if he's back, Uh, I'm happy to play Brentford here at home. I think this matchup is really strong for them. You mentioned it. They were the better team and that was on the road. And you figure, you know, the splits that go into that, the fact that Brentford had one of its better away performances of the entire season at crystal palace earlier this year, I think coming home now, my ratings are pretty similar on these two teams, so I'm getting pretty similar teams, but I'm getting a pick them for the team at home who's been one of the best home teams in the entire league. I'm happy to take Brentford, drawn a bet at minus 115.
1: Yeah, I agree with you. Plus two back-to-back road matches for Crystal Palace is not necessarily good for uh, Patrick Vieira's man. All right, let's move on to Everton hosting leads in a potential relegation six-pointer, as Michael would probably tell you if he was hosting this right now. Everton is a plus one fifteen favorite. Leeds is sitting at plus two forty with the draw at plus two sixty. I don't really have anything for this match. I was a little disappointed by Everton's performance uh, against New- Newcastle on Tuesday. Leeds obviously had just a chaotic three three draw with Aston Villa on Wednesday. I'm probably going to be passing on this one. I'm pretty close to what the the market has. But do you have anything for Everton versus Leeds?
2: Yeah, I lean towards Leeds. The re- the reason I don't quite get there is because Everton are. You know, you're know you not getting the best of the, of the market here with Everton. Clearly, they've soured quite a bit. I actually show a teeny tiny bit of value on Everton at the number, uh, but with all the managerial change going on, and again, I've talked about this with Leeds numbers not quite being right on for the whole season because of all the injuries they went through and all those absences they had where they got absolutely pounded in those games, I'm not really too confident in my power rating right now for either team. And so when we look at Everton... They had a 5.56 passes per defensive action rating against Newcastle. That is their season average under Rafa Benitez was over 12. So that just shows you the Lampard effect taking effect uh, where they're going to press and they're going to press uh, and they're going to you know run and look to win the ball high at the pitch and then create chances off of that. But the problem is when you're not, you know, drilled at it and effective at it and still learning the way you can get exposed. And that's exactly what happened. We saw the impact that Bruno Guimaraes had when he came on Alan St. Maximin running into space. There was a couple of fluke goals too, uh, at both ends of the pitch, really with set pieces and whatnot. Those issues still remain for Everton here. They just seem to lack the structure and, and they got crushed in space. Now you get Leeds, who is a matchup nightmare if you're not prepared and ready to press at, at the rate you need to be able to do it. So I, I'm concerned about the matchup. And that's why I lean toward Leeds. We saw Chelsea play Leeds and I thought it was a really interesting tactical battle. This was uh, back when Lampard was still at Chelsea and Chelsea ripped apart Leeds, but that was much better players that Lampard had at his, had at his disposal. And, and that was a much a team that had much more you know time under Lampard to learn the system. I'm concerned, you know, if this game happened in a month or two, I think it'd be different, but because Everton are still adjusting to this Lampard effect, I cannot back them here. So a lean toward leads for me.
1: Yeah, this is a difficult match. You mentioned the injuries. No Damari Gray, no Yuri Mina for Everton. On the flip side, still no Calvin Phillips and no Patrick Bamford, who I haven't played that much at all this season. But we talk about this a lot. It's just very hard to handicap these type matches when really the most important players for each team is missing. So I agree with you. It's a a pass for me. All right, let's move on to the last 10 a.m. Eastern match on Saturday. It is Watford hosting Brighton Watford is currently a plus two seventy five underdog at home Brighton at sitting at plus 115 with the draw at plus 220 I'm leaning towards committing a sin on this podcast and that's betting against Brighton I don't think I've done that in the last two years but for the first time in forever I think they're a little overvalued on the road especially given the last two performances from Watford the 4-4-2 switch under Roy Hodgson has just done wonders <laughs> for their defense only point Eight expected goals allowed against Burnley and only 0.7 allowed to West Ham on Tuesday. In fact, they've actually held their last three opponents under one expected goal. They held Norwich under one expected goal, even though they scored three and got Claudio Ranieri sacked. Now, Watford's had a ton of injuries throughout the season, but they could be getting one of their best players, Ishmael Asar, back on Saturday. He actually featured for Senegal at the Africa Cup of Nations. He's been out for a really long time, and he is the key to really unlocking Roy Hodgson's 4-4-2 because he can just torch people up the wings. Uh Brighton obviously still one of the best defenses in the Premier League. Only 1.12 non-penalty expected goals allowed per match. But their defensive performances away from home have been a bit concerning as of late. They've allowed 8.2 expected goals in their last five away matches and they've either drawn or lost the expected goals battle in six of their last seven matches. they also just lost uh, one of their best defenders, Dan Byrne, to Newcastle during the transfer window, which is somewhat significant because the last few months, he's really played that ball-progressor, Ben White-type role in Graham Potter's system. So without him, obviously, I I believe they have their two main starting center backs back, but I can't get to plus 115 on Brighton. I actually only have them projected at plus 144. So I do think you're getting a little bit of value on on Watford at plus half a goal at minus 130, but I'm going to wait – see how the market goes. Uh, i prefer to get Watford plus half a goal at minus 125, but I really don't want to commit this sin. I love Brighton. I don't want to bet against them. But again, we say it all the time. At a certain point, we have to play numbers. And I do think that Watford's performances have really improved with the new manager bouts under Roy Hodgson. Do you have anything for Watford versus Brighton?
2: Yeah, I I don't really have a strong opinion on the match generally. Uh, It's something we've talked about on this podcast as well. Brighton this season, if you just blindly bet their spread in every game, and you bet a hundred dollars on every spread. They're actually the fourth most profitable team in the entire league, according to our Action uh, Labs database. Yet, if you were to bet the Brighton money line in every single game this year, they're actually the fifth least profitable team in the entire league. Now, why is that? It seems off, but they're it's really underdog. not. If you think of it, right, they're a great underdog, and they, you know, when they were plus a half against West Ham or against Chelsea, plus one against uh, Chelsea, plus one against uh, plus one and a half against Liverpool they've been excellent and have, you know, they're very difficult to break down, but when they've gone and played at Norwich and they were favored or when they played Burnley and they were favored when they played, you know, early in the season against palace and they were favored, like they've had a bunch of games where they've been the favorite and they've created chances. The leads game as well comes to mind, uh, but they just don't overwhelm you enough to get margin. And that, that's really the concern here. So uh, I'm happy to pass this game. Watford are risky business. If they try to play out from the back, when these two teams played the first time, the first Brighton goal came from them trying to play out from the back, giving it away, Brighton winning the ball at the pitch scoring. Well, that's not going to happen with Roy Hodgson. Uh, We're, we're booting it long and we're defending. Uh, And so I think it's a real challenge for Brighton to break them down. So it could be a good under, under spot. The total is pretty low. you not a lot of room for it to go under. Um, but overall, I, I'm happy to pass this one.
1: Yeah, Roy Hodgson really just clawed. You saw it against West Ham. They just clogged up down middle. West Ham had pretty much had nothing going through. Obviously, they have the you know the deflection goal. But other than that, they really thwarted a lot of the West Ham attacks that were coming through the middle of the pitch. So it's going to be difficult uh, for Brighton to come right through there.
2: I've lost a lot of money fading Roy Hodgson, waiting for Palace regression to come over the last couple of years. So yeah. uh, I have no interest in fading them here with a team who does not project as a good favorite.
1: Agree with you. I I don't, again, I don't know if I'm going to end up doing it because I feel like I'd be committing a sin, uh, but definitely leaning towards Watford. Brighton goes to United next week. That's all I want to say. Yes. That's what I'm waiting for really. (laughs) So let's hope that, you know, Brighton potentially, we don't want, we obviously never want Brighton to lose, but let's potentially hope they lose this one so we can get a better number on them uh, Mm -hmm. against United and hope that United draws with Southampton so we can all win our bets. All right, next, let's go to the last game of Saturday, 1230 Eastern time. Norwich City hosting league leaders Manchester City. Norwich City is a 17 to 1 underdog at home. Manchester City sitting at minus 550 with the draw sitting at plus 650. I'm going to start here with one of the bets I love to do with Manchester City all the time when they're playing against a smaller side, and that is both teams to score no at minus 150. Norwich, it seems weird to say it, but they're kind of in a sell high spot right now. They've won. Uh, they won four straight matches and then they obviously drew with Crystal Palace on Wednesday, but in their last eight matches, they've only created over one expected goal one time. And they are pathetic against the top teams in England and eight matches against the top seven teams. They have scored zero goals, <laughs> zero. They have not scored. In fact, when they played Manchester city earlier in the season, Norwich registered one shot, six touches in the penalty area, and only two box entries. So I don't know how they're going to score or create anything of substance against Manchester City's world-class defense. Now, you can make the case that City is going to rest some guys because they have a Champions League match against Sporting Lisbon on Tuesday. However, if you look back at Pep Guardiola, he has consistently over the past two seasons played very strong lineups in these type of spots. So I would be shocked, especially with the Premier League title, he's not out of the question yet. I would be really shocked if he actually played uh, essentially their B team. Manchester city's defense against the bottom half of the table this season is only allowing 0.58 expected goals per match. And only one team <laughs> has created over one expected goal against them, which was crystal palace. When city got a red card around the 45th minute. So I have no idea how Southampton is not only going to create anything of substance or even keep the ball at any point in city's half for a significant amount of time. So I like both teams to score no at minus 150. Do you have anything for Norwich versus City?
2: No, no. I actually bet that both teams to score the first time these two teams played. Mm, Went really well. Uh, You mentioned it one shot. Uh, Did not go in that shot. Uh, 3-0 to Liverpool, 5-0 to City, 1-0 to Arsenal, 7-0 to Chelsea, 5-0 to Arsenal, 3-0 to Spurs, 1-0 to United, 2-0 to West Ham. Uh, When we count the top six, the big six, as they're dubbed in the Premier League, they have not only not scored, they have allowed 25 goals in seven games. It's almost four a game. So, yeah, easy pass. Uh, you know, you, you could say, oh, I like City, minus two and a half. Uh, but yeah, I, I, th- th- there's no value in that. Uh, and betting them in this spot, minus two and a half, is not ever going to be plus EV. So uh, I'm happy to pass here. And it's not even like they've not allowed chances. It's been unlucky. I mean, it's 17 expected goals against two. In, in seven games that's still over two and a half a game almost so just easy easiest pass on the board here and uh norwich four games in a row they scored big time for them but happy to stay away here
1: all right let's head to sunday 9 a.m eastern time burnley is hosting liverpool at turf burnley sitting at plus 900 liverpool at minus 310 with the draw at plus 450 We're obviously taping this on Wednesday night before the Leicester and Liverpool match. So it'll be interesting to see what happens, not only what happens in that, what type of lineup that Liverpool is going to play. This is not the best of spots for Liverpool. They obviously have a Champions League match on Wednesday against Inter Milan. So they're coming into this on two days rest. And you would call this pretty much the definition of a sandwich spot playing against a lower side like Burnley. But they present so many matchup problems for Burnley. It's not even funny. Obviously, Liverpool, number one in every single offensive category. And more importantly, are the number one road offense in the Premier League. 2.43 expected goals per match away from home. The past few seasons, Liverpool has just completely overwhelmed Burnley every single time they face them. Even if they haven't gotten the results that they deserved last year, they lost one, nothing to them at home when they were in the middle of an injury crisis, but still completely dominated them on expected goals. Their last four meetings, they've created over 2.3 expected goals against Burnley, including earlier this year, they have created around three expected goals and a very dominant two nothing win. Burnley did get a result against Manchester United on Tuesday, despite losing on expected goals, 2.1 to 0.8. However, Their best player, Maxwell Cornet, looked like he went off with an injury. Sean Dyche did did say that it didn't sound serious and it was kind of more of a cramp, but he also said they're going to be very careful with him because they need him for the entire stretch run. I highly doubt that Liverpool is going to rest a number of their star players for this match, meaning it's because it still means a ton for them in the Premier League title race. Uh, So I, I expect a full squad from Liverpool, even if they decide to rest a few guys here and there they're finally healthy for one of the first times all season long. So they actually have depth and can rotate guys when earlier in the season, they didn't have that option. So I have Liverpool spread projected at minus 1.85. So getting them at minus one and a half at even money, I think it's a pretty good price uh, on the reds to, to blow up Burnley. What are you looking at for this match?
2: Yeah, I won't be betting this until the conclusion of Liverpool Leicester on Thursday, uh, which most of you will be listening after this. BJ and I are actually, on opposite sides of that game, and I'm fearful for how that may go for me. Uh, but with that being said, uh, you mentioned the sandwich spot. I don't really care. We saw how bad Burnley looked in the first half at home against United. When United was pressing, they were had a lot of energy. Well, imagine that for a full 90 minutes instead of the 45-minute spell that United gave them in the first half when they could have been up two or three goals. I think this is a paddle Liverpool spot. Now, if Liverpool routes Leicester, maybe not You know, it becomes less of a good spot and the number may jump and then I may end up passing, but in most likelihood situations, I I think Liverpool will steamroll here and everyone's going to play into the narrative. Oh, it's right before the champions league. Uh, I don't think it matters because they're still chasing Manchester city. They need goal difference and they're only six points behind right now and they have a game in hand. So it really could be three and they still play city. So there's, they're very much in the race. It's it's probably not going to happen because City's the better team and they have the lead, but It's not out of the realm of possibility and they know that. So I think Liverpool will cruise here and I have it at 1.67. So also show some value on the Reds.
1: Yeah. And this is kind of a same thing I kind of did today and kind of a little, uh, I guess, lesson to everybody out there. Have Liverpool and Burnley pulled up on whatever sports book you're using during the match to play the minus one and a half. You know, obviously if, if Liverpool goes up, early against Burnley and they look like they're just completely dominating bet it now bet it right there during the match, because then usually what happens is the odds will move after the match is over. So really have it up, ready to go play that during the match. You can obviously follow Anthony or myself in the action network app. You can put notifications on if you'd like to, and you'll get, you'll see if it comes through for me during that match. I might end up actually playing it after Leicester versus Liverpool, but we'll see what happens. Let's move on. On Sunday, Newcastle is hosting Aston Villa at 9 a.m. Eastern time. Newcastle is a plus 190 underdog to Aston Villa, who is plus 150 with the draw at plus 240. I don't really have anything for this match, and I kind of, in general, just want to talk about Newcastle. We're in a very rare situation uh, with Newcastle, and it's probably never going to happen again, uh, as long as we do this podcast, where a trillionaire essentially comes in and buys a team and spends $100 million in the January transfer window. It's very difficult to project Newcastle in that realm. Just for the pure fact is that number one, they obviously brought in Dan Byrne, but they're still playing Lascelles and Char as their back two. Trippier obviously helps them. Gamares obviously helps them in the midfield, but it's going to take some time for us to figure out if Newcastle is moved up to a, a mid table side, or are they still in the relegation fight? Their defense is still pretty bad. Like you mentioned earlier with Everton. They pressed Newcastle pretty successfully. so And obviously, Newcastle, before all these guys came in, was still one of the worst teams against pressure in the Premier League. Now, Aston Villa under Steven Gerrard hasn't really pressed at that high of a rate, so they could get a a decent edge there. As far as the market is concerned, I'm pretty much dead on with what the market has. So I will happily be passing on this and continuing just to monitor Newcastle with all these changes and see how they play and see if they potentially become a team that we need to start buying in on or a team that maybe we need to be fading because all these new pieces aren't really fitting in. So for right now with me, Newcastle is kind of a wait and see type of thing. I don't know how long that's going to last uh, for me. It might last through the rest of the season. Who knows? Obviously I don't know. I'm going to put my money somewhere where I don't fully trust uh, how I feel or how I'm you know, projecting a certain team. So I'll be passing on this match. Do you have anything for Newcastle versus Aston Villa?
2: Yeah. You know, I've got Newcastle 17th uh, in my ratings and I've got Villa 12th. So it's not a huge difference here and you'd expect them to be slight road favorites with that. And that's where they are. Uh, I don't really have a ton on this game either. I think the most interesting thing about Newcastle is that, you know, their passes per defensive action against Everton was the lowest they've had in any game all year. That could mean two things. One, they did have Bruno Guimarães come off the bench Uh, Joe Willick, I thought had a really strong match for them in the midfield, but I wonder how much of that was just Everton being discombobulated and willing to go up tempo and play kind of like a frenetic pace game and and Lampard and and them, you know, not really being set up for it. And then thus getting exposed, but there's still a lack of attacking options in this team. And that's the major concern. Callum Wilson questionable uh, for this one. He's a big loss and Villa we should mention You know, I I said in the last show that we weren't really sure what to expect from this Villa attack. They've been overperforming. They've lacked kind of the quality uh, to really spring these counters. Well, if you watch the game against Leeds, Philip Coutinho has totally changed the calculus. His ability to pick out a pass, his ability to be a passing dynamo. You know, Jack Grealish was an elite ball carrier into the penalty area for them last year. And that was their main form of how do we get the ball from the midfield to the attacking third where we have guys like Ole Watkins and the emerging Jacob Ramsey who are pretty good players and who, you know, Watkins, especially a good, you know, 10 to 15 goal a year type premier league striker. Well, if Coutinho is going to be the one to spring those counters and he's going to be the one to pick the passes that solves their biggest issue, which was their biggest issue under Dean Smith. And, you know, Gerard is solving the defense because he's, he's obviously clearly got a record of, of fixing defenses, and it seems to me, at least, that Coutinho has helped unlock the offense. So you have to think that the, you know both these teams are trending, I think, in the right direction generally as clubs. And, uh, and I, I really don't have a strong read on this game at all. I think the number's about right. So happy to pass.
1: Yeah, Coutinho really has filled in that Jack Grealish role that Aston Villa hasn't been able to recapture, especially with Ben Buendia or Leon Bailey, who's obviously been injured quite a bit it's hard to replace a player of Jack relation's status, especially for a mid-table club like that and what he meant for their offense. But if Coutinho can continue to play at the level that he's at, man, look out for Aston Villa going forward, and we'll see if that uh, their chances created can start to line up a little bit more with the goals they've been scoring. All right, let's move on. On Sunday at 9 a.m. Eastern, your Tottenham Hotspurs are hosting Wolves. Tottenham is a minus 155 home favorite. Wolves sitting at plus 475 at the draw at plus 285. I don't really have a lot for this match. I would really like to see uh, how wolves performs against Arsenal on Thursday and the type of style that they play. Are they, are they going to play more open or are they going to sit back defensively compact and try to hit them on the counter? I'll potentially maybe be looking at playing uh, an over uh, two goals. If it's a decent price Uh, again, I just, like I said, in the last show, I don't know what to make of this wolves offense right now. They're they go create two against Southampton and then they come back and do nothing uh, against Brentford. So I'll be passing on this one. How are you feeling? How's uh, the mood in, in Spurs land now that you guys are tied on points and have the same number of matches as Arsenal?
2: You know, we're feeling fine. Uh, I actually tweeted my thoughts on the race in the top four race earlier, uh, and I, I I stand by this. You know, it's a 14 race. I spoke last podcast about how I don't really buy into West Ham long term. I think there's some clear regression coming and some indicators that suggest they may struggle down the stretch here. Arsenal and Spurs are very comparable. I've got them very close in my numbers. I think United is the best team of the, you know, they have the best squad, most talent, and they played at the higher level in the, in the more recent past prior to the, the, you know, the recent collapse. They've shown they can play at a higher level, but they have the toughest fixture list of the teams remaining. They haven't played any of the big six again. So overall, I think it's going to be really interesting. It probably does come down to who wins in North London when Arsenal visits Spurs and we don't know when that game's going to be, but I'm hoping they put it right before the end of the season, like that last midweek because I think that would be the optimal time and, and to, for the for the hype of it and I think that'd be just an awesome time. Uh, but as far as this match goes, I look toward the over automatically. I'm not going to play anything until we get the, you know, the Wolves Arsenal game because I think we can learn a lot from that too. You know, Arsenal and Tottenham are similar in terms of team strength. They're a little different in how they profile I think Arsenal are better defensively, Spurs are better going forward. But, I mean, look at Tottenham again. I know they played badly today, but even with only 10 shots, they still created 1.8 expected goals, had another goal varred off by about a foot by Steven Vergvine and then had a set-piece goal that was uh, just offside from Romero as well. So they're creating a ton of chances. And it's clear to me that Kane and Son have looked as good recently as they've looked all year. I've talked about attacking regression. Uh, it's still coming for Tottenham in a big way at both ends of the pitch. This defense has been getting a bit fortunate. The attack's been very unlucky. I mean, I've been playing Spurs overs for the last few matches now, and I'm going to keep playing them until the market adjusts because two is just too low for this Tottenham attack. And the way they've been defending, Sanchez and Royale gave the ball away 17 times today uh, against the Southampton press. Now, Wolves will not press to that extent, but they're still dangerous on the counter. So I have concerns about, you know, the the Tottenham defense and then the Wolves defense it, it's a luck box at this point and we can say they're good defense but they've been so fortunate with these chances and it's not going to last forever so I would automatically look over uh, and I project two point three six uh, so I'm well over the two minus one thirty that's currently set at the market
1: yeah I'm at two point four two so I'm right there with you well it's interesting about Wolves and I really again why we say we were going to wait until we see what happens with Arsenal because Arsenal very similarly can unlock you on the counter to the speed that Tottenham can as well. Wolves plays this, what I call it. It's almost like a half court press. They will not press you above the halfway line, but once you cross that halfway line, they're just going to press, press and hunt you in packs, stay compact, say that defensively, and then look to hit you on the counter What's weird is they didn't really play out of that much over the past few months. The loss of him really doesn't mean much to the wolves attack. Obviously Kim coming off the bench is good for them, but he didn't, he wasn't a, a every match type of starter for them. I agree with you. I'm probably going to end up playing over two. I might even, you know, go a little crazy and play over two and a half. At, I think it's to that plus 135 right now to try to get some good odds. Wolves are uh, an over team. <laughs> we'll see. Uh, I'm not convinced that they're an over team yet. Uh, only creating over only uh, one expected goal twice in their last nine matches does not make me feel good about them being in an over team, but we'll Regress, see what happens. It's regression February, baby. Yeah, We'll see. We'll see what happens. All right, let's head to the final match of the weekend it's on sunday at 11 30 a.m eastern time leicester is hosting west ham at the king power stadium leicester is plus 190 west ham at plus 145 with the draw sitting at plus 250 i'll start i love over three goals at plus 115 obviously like we already said we're taping this before the leicester liverpool match on thursday so it'll be interesting to see what happens there but man Leicester's defense against the top teams in England is really, really bad. I mentioned on the last podcast, 2.46 expected goals per match and 2.5 big scoring chances per match. And not surprisingly, Leicester's actually the worst defense at home in the Premier League, 1.85 expected goals allowed per match. Now, West Ham's offense has been somewhat lost the last two Premier League matches. They only created 0.3 expected goals against United, only 0.7 against Watford on Tuesday, However, this is a perfect get-right spot for them against pretty much the worst defense in the Premier League that's been trending at least over the last few months. Leicester is basically used to playing these high-scoring type of matches now. It's been happening for the last few months. They're used to it because, you know, their offense has been somewhat able to mask their defensive problems since November 20th when Leicester lost 3-0 to Chelsea and it was the first time like, oh my gosh, what is wrong with this Leicester defense right now? Matches involving Leicester are averaging a whopping four expected goals, essentially their last nine or so matches. So I think this one has high scoring event written all over it. Uh, Obviously, you know, the West Ham defense with Craig Dawson back there just hasn't really been working. I have 3.4 goals projected. So I like the price and over three goals at plus plus one fifteen. Do you have anything for Leicester versus West Ham?
2: Uh, Yeah, I, I somewhat disagree, but I, again, like, I want to see how Leicester looks on Thursday against Liverpool. I want to see if they're going to be getting anybody back in the midfield. Uh, it looks like Mendy may be back from AFCON for Thursday for, for Leicester, which helps. Uh, they are going to have, not that they've been any good, but Sionchu and Vestegaard are both going to start, it looks like, against Liverpool as well. Uh, we need some more information here, but I'm just not buying this West Ham attack right now. Antonio has really dropped off. His numbers have not been nearly as impressive in the last you know, month-ish monthish. Uh, and I think there's some regression coming for the, this attack. So uh, away from home, I think this this could be a tighter game, but uh, it, it takes a lot for me to hit the button on a Leicester under right now. And so I'm probably going to end up staying away from this one. As far as the side goes, West Ham, rightly a road favorite here. Don't really show any value. My number's almost dead nut on. So uh, happy to pass that. So I would have a lean toward the under. But, you know, under three is like minus 135, 140. I don't really want to lay the juice there. But if it got down to say 120, I'd probably fire on it. Yeah, Lester. And then start praying immediately. They've allowed the most penalties in the league. Seven penalties, which definitely inflates the numbers. But at a certain point, you're playing a lot of backup center backs. You're going to give away penalties. Uh, But they tend to be random. Last year, Leicester were the luck box of the year because they got all these penalties. This year, they're giving them all back. So it's made for an interesting betting conundrum.
1: Yeah. What's interesting Leicester in those since November 20th, like I mentioned 23 big scoring chances allowed in eight matches. And when basically the whole first half of the season, they just allowed seven. So if something has just flipped and happened, obviously it was injuries were a big part of that. But again, this is another situation kind of like I mentioned with uh, essentially yeah, the, at the Liverpool Leicester match, I would probably have West Ham Leicester total if I'm going to play over open right there, because if those defensive issues creep up and Liverpool goes up to nothing inside the first 20 minutes and Leicester just looks horrendous defensively, there is no chance you're getting a better number. Uh, over three goals at plus 115, you might, you might end up being you know minus by the time uh, this match rolls around. So uh, over three and a half goals at plus 115, and I would maybe just play it even before the Leicester-Liverpool match. Let's move on to the rest of Europe. Let's head over to Germany. Uh, for our Bundesliga best bet, where are you taking us in Germany this weekend?
2: Yeah, I'm, I'm still emotionally scarred from uh, Leverkusen and Dortmund. Uh, the under what there. A match. What, what a match, match. that was! Five two thriller. Uh, you know, it's one of those bets where you know your numbers say you have to do it, and I gave it out on this podcast. Uh, and you know, five two, I and mean, there was two own goals in the first ten minutes. Uh, Dortmund, I think, didn't have any expected goals in the first half, and. It was 2-1. So, you know, hilarious loss uh, in that game. I'm staying away from Leverkusen. I need a, I need a break. I'm a, and I show value on the under in their match again. And I'm just like, I can't do it. But the one team that I'm happy to bet on here is Wolfsburg. You know, we're, we're getting near the bottom of the market on them. And the bottom was probably last week before they went out and and smashed our Greuter-Firth uh, with a 4-1 victory. You know, it ended up being a bit of a relegation battle when you think about it because of how low Wolfsburg have fallen on the table. But that win will give them some breathing room. But really, this is all about, in terms of attacks and defenses, buying low and selling high. Wolfsburg, they lost Vegars, which was actually their number one underperformer in terms of expected goals. But they still only have 21 goals from 30 expected, just a classic spot where this team is really a top seven team in the Bundesliga by my numbers. But they're all the way down in 12th. uh, And they're a road underdog in a spot against the Frankfurt team that I project to be pretty even with them. Uh, I have Eintracht as a tiny favorite uh, at home, but Frankfurt themselves have been pretty fortunate defensively lately. They've been getting away with conceding a ton of chances and not really conceding goals off of those. Uh, so when you look at it, you know conceding 1.5 to Osberg, 2.5 to Dortmund, 1.9 to Gladbach. We've talked about how bad they've been. Uh, they're they're you know winning some games. They've won four out of seven, but. The defense has been really poor, so I think this is a good spot for Wolfsburg's attack to get right, and I'm happy to take Wolfsburg plus half a goal when I project them pretty much as a pick'em.
1: Yeah, I I told I'm I agree with you. I've already bet uh, Wolfsburg plus half a goal minus 140. You know what's interesting about the Bundesliga is that the race for the top four, the final four spot, is incredibly interesting. We have seven teams within four points for the final spot, so we could have some just absolute chaos in Germany as we go throughout the rest of the season. I'm going to go with Hoffenheim, minus one at minus 115 at home against Armenia Biafield. This Biafield luck box has got to stop and it's got to stop right now. <laughs> so far in the season, they have a minus six actual goal differential. They're sitting just above the relegation zone, but they have a negative 16.3 expected goal differential. They're unbeaten in their last seven matches. They picked up 12 points, but their expected points is only 6.3 per understat. The reason that is that because they've lost the expected goals battle combined 5.3 to 8.9. So negative aggression is going to hit them like a ton of bricks, hopefully in the near future. Hoffenheim, on the other hand, has lost three straight matches in the Bundesliga, but they are due for some positive aggression. They only lost the expected goals battle 4.3 to 5.2 in those three matches. And Hoffenheim is one of the more prolific offenses in the Bundesliga this year averaging 1.69 non-penalty expected goals per match. They're also top three in big scoring chances, box entries, and crosses completed in the 18-yard box, while Armenia is one of the three worst teams in the Bundesliga in both box entries allowed and crosses completed in their own penalty area. So Hoffenheim should have no trouble creating chances. Additionally, Armenia presses at the second highest rate in the Bundesliga, but they are shockingly inefficient when they press. They're 16th. In passes per defensive action, and 15th in pressure success rate, while Hoffenheim is one of the two best teams in Germany playing through pressure. So this is a spot where I know you have been doing this as well, where it's time to fade BFLd. Once again, uh, I have Hoffenheim spread projected at minus around minus 1.4. So I love the uh, price of their spread of minus 1 at minus 115. And let's hope, hope and pray to God that some of that negative regression hits them
2: sometime <clears throat> soon. Yeah, Gladbach couldn't capitalize on that. So that was this, one of the spots of the year. And, of course, they missed two or three huge chances and hit the post and had a penalty that gets called against them every week but didn't get called against them. Uh, just pure, more pain for them. But, uh, yeah, Bielefeld, absolute disaster of a team. Some of us are holding relegation tickets, probably going to not win them because of this luck, but uh, they're absolutely one of the three worst teams. And, it, and really, there's a clear bottom three when you yep. consider Osberg, Bielefeld, our boys Greuther, Um, So, you know, we'll see what happens with that, but definitely a good Hoffenheim spot. I may, I may be joining you on that or putting them in some kind of a money line parlay.
1: Yeah. Let's, let's hope to God that the regression comes soon. All right, let's move down to Italy an even more chaotic league this year for the Serie A slate. Where are you taking us in your home country this weekend?
2: Yeah. So there's two huge games in Italy. We've got Inter Milan who now have a title race again uh, after blowing the game against Milan. Uh, they were up 1-0. They blew it, uh, lost 2-1. to Olivier Giroud turning back the clock goals. Good for the race. You know, I think uh, we need a good title race. And right now, when you look across Europe, there's not going to be any unless uh, Liverpool makes something of it or Italy. And so, as a neutral, rooting for that, they are going on the road to Napoli. But I actually have my eye set on another big game, which could decide fourth, uh, Juventus against Atalanta. And when we talk narratives, I mean, this this is like the ultimate, ultimate narrative spot, right? Juventus, oh, they've got this guy, Duzlan Vlahovic, and he scored a goal in his debut, and they added Zacharia, whom I love, and he scored in his debut. And I think them scoring and them beating a pretty overrated Verona team, we can both agree, is kind of clouding the narrative around this team. They only had 11 shots in the whole game. Verona had 13. Now, Verona only put one of those on target, and you know, Juve was better, 1.2 to 0.6 expected goals. They deserve the win, but... I think we're overreacting here. Both teams will play in the Coppa Italia quarterfinals on Thursday. So not really a rest advantage for either side. But here's the thing about Atalanta. They lost a game to Cagliari. There was a red card involved. It was a flat spot for them. They've had a lot of guys out injured, getting back into form, coming back from international break as well. It was a really weird spot and a really weird game. And I think it kind of throws off the reality here. And the reality is that, at least in my numbers, these two teams are very, very similar. So I'm getting... Even teams, but I'm getting the home team at even money. And I'm happy to take Atalanta here, buying low on them, selling this Juve hype train right dead in its tracks. Uh, Atalanta, draw no bet, minus 105.
1: Yeah, we'll be selling that Juve uh, hype train next week in the Champions League when they play our Vill- Real boys. Uh, I'm going to go to one, probably one of the worst matches on the Serie A slate. Cagliari, plus half a goal at even money against Empoli. Cagliari has actually put up some pretty impressive performances in their last seven matches. They've obviously been in the relegation zone for most of the season. They haven't really gotten the results they deserve since December 18th. They actually have a plus 1.2 expected goal differential and have created nine big scoring chances in seven matches compared to their first 17 games of the season. They only created 11 total big scoring chances. They also played a very difficult schedule during those seven matches, which included Juventus, Roma, Fiorentina, and Atalanta. Empoli, on the other hand, is in pretty terrible form. They haven't won a Serie A match since December 12th. They have a minus 2.6 expected goal differential during that time span. Empoli is also one of the worst defenses in Italy. They allow 1.64 non-penalty expected goals per match. They're also one of the two worst teams in terms of big scoring chances allowed, box entries allowed, and crosses completed in their own penalty area. Also, the home road splits for Empoli are quite shocking. They play pretty well away from home. They have a plus 1.6 expected goal differential. However, in 12 home matches in Serie A, they have a minus 11 expected goal differential and are allowing 2.35 expected goals per match. So I have no clue why they're a minus 105 home favorite against a Cagliari team that's really trending in the right direction. So I only have Employee projected at plus 136. So I love the value on Cagliari uh, plus half a goal at even money all right let's move over to spain in la liga i'll get it started uh i like both teams to score no in rio viacanano and Osasuna, probably one of the hopefully one of the biggest snooze fests of the weekend uh two really good defenses and the style of play of both these teams is really gonna lend itself towards a more low scoring affair. Vallecano and Osuna, both top 10 in La Liga in non-penalty expected goals allowed, and both are top eight in big scoring chance allowed. Osuna typically plays very defensive, either out of a 4-1, 4-1, or 4-4-2, which has been very successful for them considering their fifth in expected goals allowed. However, it's hampered them offensively. They are only creating around 0.8 non-penalty expected goals per match. Additionally, a lot of where Osuna creates their chances is down the flanks, swinging and crosses the box. Well, Vallacano is the number one team in La Liga in crosses allowed into their own penalty area. On the flip side, Cano hasn't really created much offensively from open play, only averaging 0.89 uh, XG per match. However, they've created the most uh, expected goals in La Liga off of set pieces. The problem is Osuna is Osuna's top five in Spain in XG allowed per set piece. One of my favorite stats I think I've pulled to date only three times this season in an Osasuna match has both teams created at least one expected goal each. Additionally, when these two teams met earlier in the season, Bayacona won one nothing, and only a total of 0.8 expected goals were created total in the match. So both teams to score no is currently at minus 115. I have it projected at minus 198. So I love the value on that. What do you have for La Liga this
2: weekend? I love the board. Thought we'd get a better Villarreal number. Yeah, we didn't uh, disappointing really because I had that spot circled. Yep. Champions League look ahead for Real Madrid doesn't look like Benz is going to play. Vini may not play. There's no reason for Real Madrid to be playing guys when they have a much more important match coming up on Tuesday against PSG. But it's a pick them. I may still play V Real because I love the spot so much, uh, even though my number's not really there. But my my spot that I really like. I'm fading uh, Ray Betis again on the road. Levante has a positive expected goal difference uh, at home this year, and they are in dead last with six points away from the closest team. They're, they're, they're gone full Ibar, which if you follow La Liga, you know Ibar was the team who pressed a lot, and they were a tiny club, and they ran incredibly unlucky last year and got relegated against, um, against the soccer gods' will, really. And Levante's on the same path. They're going to get relegated, but this is an all-in home spot. And Bettis has a bunch of attacking regression coming. They've been considerably worse away from home than they've been at home. They're like eighth best and expected goals away. Whereas Levante is about 13th. Levante only has one win all year. They don't need to win this match though. They just need to draw it for me to catch the plus a half at minus minus one twenty. So that's where I went for this one.
1: Yeah. I bar last season of the season before that it was Leganes who got just very cruelly, uh, relegated with a minus points 1.6 expect goal differential. But yeah, I agree with you. Levante is a very interesting team in La Liga. I've been trying to play some overs on them because their matches usually tend to be pretty chaotic. Uh, but yeah, it's we're getting to that point in the season where desperation is starting to creep in for some of these relegation teams. And it might lend itself to creating a little bit of value on some of these teams at the bottom of the table who have been underperforming all season. All right, let's move over to one of my favorite leagues in the world, League One. I love Nice plus half a goal at even money on the road against Lyon. This price is too high for a Lyon defense that has been horrific this season. After 23 matches, Lyon is 16th in League One in non-penalty expectables allowed at 1.39 per match, which is not what you expect from a club of their size and stature. The issues can really be boiled down to the fact that they're creating or they're allowing way too many high-quality chances. Opponents have created a whopping 34. Big scoring chances against them, including three to Monaco this past weekend. Now enters a Nice offense that has been incredibly prolific under new manager Christophe Galtier. Even though they're playing out of a 4-4-2, the system that he's created under Nice and what he did really with Lille last season, he's actually improved the offense here with Nice. They're under the 4-4-2, averaging 1.72 expected goals per 90 minutes while only allowing 1.1 Nice is also incredible form away from home. They've gone unbeaten in their last eight matches and overall for the season have a plus four expected goal differential. Lyon is the second best pressing team in, in France by passes per defensive action and have the most high turnovers that have led to shots this year in league on. But Nice is a top seven team in offensive passes per defensive action and pressure success rate allowed. So I don't think they'll have too much trouble playing through Lyon's press, especially with since Bruno Gamarais has left now for Newcastle. Nice did have a really bad home loss on Sunday to Claremont foot. But on Wednesday, they smashed Marseille in the Coupe de France. So it seems that uh, it was just really just one bad day on Sunday for Christophe. Galtier's men, I have this match projected very close to a pick so I love Nice plus half a goal at minus 110. All right, let's move on to our favorite segment of the week uh, it is our favorite underdogs of the week. Uh, if you follow Anthony or myself on Twitter, you'll see that our underdogs are not doing too well right now, and they're losing in pretty horrific fashion, and I want to rant a little bit because I don't care. If any of my underdogs lose 5 nothing; they just get smashed. I don't care anymore. But can we stop blowing two goal leads? Angers is the latest one to do it. They did it against Marseille on Friday. That's now four for me on the season. I've also had two teams blow second-half leads. I've had a the stoppage time equalizer, It's it's been painful. It's been painful for myself and uh, both of us, really, all three of us on this podcast. So, why don't you get us started and then I'll give uh, the underdog that's probably going to lose in an extremely painful fashion?
2: Yeah, you know, we gave up Burnley and Leeds, and, uh, you know, both of them never had Leeds in the second half. So, we can't really say we, you know, we had bad yeah. beats there, but. Both did tie and covered for us. So that was good, at least, you know, the, the main part of the bet. And when we say these underdogs, you know, typically what I do, and you'll see it in the app, is I'll put, you know, one one and a half or 1.3, you know, units on the spread that I like. You know, for example, today it was leads plus a half. And then I'll I'll sprinkle on the money line, you know, 0.3, 0.5 units. That way, you know, when the game ends in a tie and you don't cash the money line, you're still like, okay, I made a unit on this game. And so that's typically where I like to go with that. If you follow me in the app, you know I've already played this one at 5-1, to one. Saints. But when the Saints go marching into Old Trafford, uh, they played earlier this year. Everything was so different then. It was early in the year. Saints were struggling defensively. It usually takes them some time to get the press and get really going. But they seem to be you know, playing really well right now. They've beaten West Ham. Now they've beaten Tottenham. They drew City. they played well against the big sides. And I have major concerns. Maybe we'll get a comeback here instead of a blown lead because Saints – have really shown that they have a lot of energy, and that has been a major issue for United in the second halves of Ragnick games. They seem to lose the press. They seem to lose focus. They struggle to continue to play like they, they played pretty well in the first half. So I think it's a good spot for Saints. I make it much lower. Uh, I'm in plus 380, I think, plus 385 on Saints. So happy to play against the Red Devils here. And grab some Saints away from
1: home. Yeah, I love that. I'll probably end up playing that as well. Uh, I have Saints at plus 369, so pretty close to you as well. Uh, I'm going to go to Germany. Uh, Union Berlin, plus 310 at home against Dortmund. We talk about spots. This is a fantastic spot for Union Berlin. They did lose their first match in six matches to Augsburg. Uh, 2-0 last Saturday, but it was a very fraudulent scoreline uh Union Berlin won unexpected goals two to 1.6 the one goal from Augsburg was just a, a goalkeeping mistake and the other one was just they a, passed a, it, it
2: right to him the yeah it was just a goalkeeping just, mistake they passed it directly to the I had, yeah. I had Union my rant of the week what the hell is Union doing uh playing out from the back there passing it right to Augsburg 1-0 it I don't was know like nine it was like 9 a.m eastern I was like this is way too early in the morning to be giving away these goals Yeah, and and of course,
1: Augsburg just scored one from way outside the box. Uh, Whatever. Who cares? Uh, But Union Berlin cleared two two expected goals. So it was was a very fraudulent scoreline. Union Berlin now has won the expected goals battle eight times in their last 10 matches. Now they have a pretty good matchup here against Dortmund, who is in a look-ahead spot. They have a Europa League playoff against Scottish club Rangers on Thursday. They're obviously coming off that 5-2 thrashing from Leverkusen this past weekend. Honestly, even though Dortmund's in second place, they really haven't been that impressive this season. We've been complaining a lot on this podcast about the regression that's supposed to come for the Leverkusen offense. Well, the Dortmund offense is right there with them. They've scored 54 goals off of 38.9 goals. I understand they have Erling Holland, and he makes up for a lot of that. But on the flip side of that, Dortmund's defense I understand they're due for some positive aggression. They, you know, it it stinks. They've kept two clean sheets in the Bundesliga all season long. When these two teams met earlier in the season, Dortmund won four, two, but only created 0.9 expected goals and had a measly 22 touches in Union Berlin's penalty area. So we talk about spots. This is about as good as it's going to get, especially Union Berlin being at home with Dortmund in a look ahead spot. So at plus three ten, I only have Union Berlin at plus one ninety, so I think there's a ton of value on them. But let's let's hope they don't do uh, what they did earlier when we picked them as an the underdog and blew another two goal lead, which I'm pretty sure they did to Leverkusen uh, a little yep. while ago. So, all right, that'll do it for our underdogs. Let's move on to the final segment: our best bets of the Premier League weekend. Anthony, what is your best bet in England this weekend?
2: Brentford draw note that minus one fifteen at home against Crystal Palace. This is the two biggest home and away splits in the entire league. When you look at Crystal Palace this year, they are minus 0.8 expected goals per 90 away from home. That is among the worst in the league compared to at home where they've actually been quite good on the flip side, Brentford at home this year, plus 0.47 expected goal difference at home. So we're dealing with a huge swing with these two teams as to who's home and who's away. Brentford should be getting both Lisa and Mwemou back in the lineup. They came off the bench. In the loss to Manchester City, I think Thomas Frank was was managing them, knowing that this game uh, on Saturday is more important than the away trip to City. They were not going to win anyway, so I think both of those are gonna be, guys are going to be back. And they may get Ivan Tony back off the bench. I don't know that he'll start, but he's another attacking piece. David riot did make a mistake, but he's back in goal as well. So Brentford is getting healthier. Generally speaking, they've got a positive attacking regression coming, and they've got those huge home away splits that I cannot get past. So even though they've lost six in a row, I'm, I'm grabbing the floor on the market here on Brentford and I am backing them to win at home against the Palace.
1: I agree with you. I'm going to probably be on Brentford with you as well. I'm going to go Southampton uh, plus one against Manchester United at Old Trafford. Manchester United did draw with Burnley 1-1. It was kind of an undeserving result. But what we saw in that match is that the pressing under Ragnick, it was really good for 45 minutes, and then they just got gassed for the rest of the 45 minutes, and Burnley was able to get through and scored the equalizing goal. Well, now here comes a Southampton team that just absolutely smashed Tottenham in the first half on Wednesday, and really for the match. 23 shots compared to only 10 for Spurs on the road. So if they bring that type of pressing, which they had around 9.5 passes per defensive action against a United team that hasn't played a team in a long time that's going to press at the rate that Southampton is, man, the Saints are really just going to punch them and really keep them in the own half. Really, the only match that we can really go back and, and point to, hey, this is kind of similar to what Southampton did, is Brentford. And what did Brentford do? They smashed United in that first half. They created close to two expected goals in the first 45 minutes and really should have beaten United a few weeks ago. So I love Southampton plus one on the road here, team that's really trending up, playing in very good form uh, against a Manchester United team that I believe is one of the more overrated teams in the Premier League. That'll do it for another episode of Wonder Goal. Thank you all for listening. Make sure to download the Action Network app. Please, if you can, go leave us a five-star review. It really helps us out. Uh, Our illustrious host, Michael Liebhoff, will be back in the host chair on Monday morning as we go through the Champions League round of 16, which returns next week, along with the Europa League playoffs. Uh, So for Anthony and myself, thank you for listening and good luck with your way.